Welcome to the Dance Centre podcast. I am your host, Claire French, and I'm joining you from the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh peoples, also known as Vancouver, Canada. I'll be talking to dancers, choreographers and other members of the dance world here on the West Coast to find out more about their creative work and practices and to discuss what it means to us to be dance professionals today. Thanks for joining us. I'm delighted and actually quite excited to be uh, talking with Justine A. Chambers today. Justine is a dance artist living and working here on the West Coast, on the unceded Coast Salish territories of the Squamish, Musqueam and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Uh, her movement-based practice considers how choreography can be an empathic practice rooted in collaborative creation, close observation, and the body as a site of a cumulative embodied archive. Privileging what is felt over what is seen. Every time I read that, I fall in love with her more. Uh, she yeah. works with dances that are already there, the social choreographies present in the everyday, and I fall in love with her more. Mm-hmm. Her work has been shown at festivals, venues and galleries across Canada and overseas. She's worked as a dancer with everybody. She works with so many wonderful people. She collaborates. She's Anyway, her bio is available. <laughs> the rest of the information about Justine, this is only a part of it. The other thing we would like to say is just how influential Justine is in our community for so many reasons, not just as a choreographer and performer, but also as a thinker, an intellectual teacher, leader, and provocateur. Uh, Everything that is happening in Vancouver seems to have Justine's touch on it, but not just, and I don't mean that in a way that she's the most popular dancer I, I know, but I think that there's also a level at which there's a kind of innovation level and uh, not just a conversation, but a collaborative space that Justine is working in and really articulates exquisitely that I think is partly what is making her the leader and provocateur of, of our time in Vancouver right now. So that's a big lead in, I know, but I think it's really important to mention because we're going to be talking about the installation that's in the Dance Centre lobby. And for those, uh, for our listenership who may not be familiar with Justine, if, if that's an introduction to Justine through the installation, then it's worth just saying the breadth and the versatility and the diversity of, of Justine's work. And please do look her up and find her. You might come across her writing. You might come across her her dancing, her, her works in different spaces. And there's just so much there. First, I will just say it's a collaboration between Justine and artist designer Natalie Perschwitz. And maybe Justine can talk a little bit about that collaboration and a little bit about Natalie if she feels so inclined. Justine was invited by Mina Zega, executive director of the Dance Centre, to create an installation for the Scotiabank Dance Centre building as part of its 20th anniversary celebrations. So I'll hand over to you, Justine, now. To, but just what I'd love to start with is anything you'd like to say to kind of introduce yourself that I may have missed for the listeners, but also in line with the actual installation itself. Well, I know a little bit about its background, but you're creating it right now as we speak. And by the time this podcast goes out, it will be up and it, people will have experienced it for themselves. And I know at the moment it's it's in process, but I'd love to hear a little bit about that and how the project got going and then what it's like for you now to be building it in that space to start off there so that we have that kind of the experiential thing of you kind of working with the site and the materials and Natalie. Yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you for that introduction that made me like blush inside my soul. Um, thank you. <laughs> so kind. Uh, and, you know, 
I feel like this is like, I, you know, I said this the other day in some other talk, how like, I feel like all the projects I make or, or the things I engage with are so I can spend time with people I love and, and how do I like make it so that those people are around me and not so that I'm like embedded in an echo chamber, but so that, because love and kinship has a lot to do with all that I do. But I think this particular installation, I mean, you know, Mirna made the, the invitation because Natalie had worked with me and Alexa Martin, Peter Dickinson on our present dance histories that we worked on for DIV. Oh my God, when was that? 2017, maybe. And so she said, you know, maybe there's something you and Natalie can do that's similar or, you know, so I, I mean, I just called Natalie and, you know, Natalie is one of my favorite visual artists and designers in this city, maybe in any city. And I think what I love the most about Natalie is that she's really playful and um, she has a light touch with her mind, you know, like she's not um, like she's a deep thinker, but she knows how to keep a kind of levity. So I knew that whatever, uh, when I proposed it to her, I said, do you want to do something? Like, do you have any thoughts? And right away she had this thought about these Scandinavian straw sculptures, you know? Um, And she said, well, you know, maybe we can do something with that. So then we just started thinking about, you know, well, we're not going to use straw because that's not really, doesn't really have anything to do with here or this place or the things we like, you know, like Natalie and I both really love fashion and we really like shiny things. (laughs) We really like sparkly things. And the proposal that Natalie put forward was around making geometric shapes. And then maybe we can think about ways they could be connected and how they could be some sort of like rhizomatic there's like not like yeah like a kind of rhizomatic sculpture that lives over the heads of people as they enter the building I mean I don't know exactly who said what or when because everything's collapsing in on itself about that so we decided that paper straws would be the material to use because they're light they wouldn't pull on the building's infrastructure they wouldn't require you know literally a ton of heavy lifting and that they're nimble and that they would be threaded with they would be connected with threads. So again, so that there was still a kind of movement, right, available to them. And at first we thought we were gonna really connect. So we have rose gold straws and gold straws and silver straws. <laughs> Those are like, cause we like the sparkle, we like the shine also in a city that's gray for six months of the year. Like we could all use a little a little sparkle and shine or reflect the reflective material. So we thought first that, that we were gonna connect it to the people who come into the building. So we had this idea of sort of doing like going through all the members and and finding ways to sort of categorize them, which is very similar to what we did for the installation for our present dance histories, where, you know, different cards represented different things and we found how they were connected. But that was like unbelievably labor intensive. And we just were being realistic in terms of talking about kinship and care about like what kind of capacity we each had. So we thought we were going to start there, but then when we got together for the first time to start practicing building these structures, like we thought, oh, we just need to like get in there and like practice threading and sort of see how it behaves because neither of us had worked with those materials. That perhaps it wasn't, we wanted to relate it. We wanted to think about the building bodies and vectors of movement. So we've sort of decided that like silver is the building, gold are the bodies and rose gold are the vectors of movement moving through. Nice. I, I, I felt like I, I wanted to ask about whether there was a, a symbolism or a signification behind the, the colors that you chose, but I just wanted to share that my experience uh, of seeing it in process is, it was very light. Like as I looked up, 
I felt like I felt the lightness that you're talking about. I felt that. And I was so I was I was I was thrilled by that. Like there was just something that I, I was surprised. I didn't think that was going to happen to me for some reason, just seeing it from the outside and then being, standing under and just looking up. I really did feel that lightness. So. Um, oh, that's so great. Yeah, yeah, it feels important that it's because it does drip down a little bit into the space that people's bodies occupy. It's not just above the head, right? No. It has very it has like different elevations. <laughs> so it's important that people feel don't feel like it's going to hurt them or that <laughs> that they can't interfere with it, right? Because we do place it some bits of it you know, at human scale, at person scale. As a kind of touch thing, right? Or a potential touch, yeah. you know, there's like yeah. an element of like either caress or like having to move away or that, that kind of spatial, yeah. uh, spatial yeah. sensitivity, which is, yeah, yeah, beautiful. And that's also very much how we've been making it. I mean, it's it's really an improvisational structure in yeah. the making. Like we don't draw, map it out, and then try and create what we draw and then try and place it exactly We've sort of been making different structures. We made sort of um, triangular structures and other things that are amalgamations of triangles and squares and trapezoids and flatter structures like ladders out of the straws and then sort of chevrony ladders. And so then we sort of have, and then what we've been calling the necklaces, which are just like the long lines of straws. So we have, they can become sort of the net to hold everything. But it has been kind of, you know, we'll make a thing, we'll put up straws, we'll hang a thing. And then we'd like step back and be like, okay, what what, what do we need here? Like, what if we connect this to this? And then we make something to make a connection or like, oh, we could use this shape. So it's really in relation to, how we are perceiving it in the moment, which changes depending on which side of the thing we're on. But then we're doing it, you know, in this, in the hours that the dance center is open and like in a very heavy traffic time, yes. sort of three to 5 PM. Right. So it's, re- I really feel like the bodies, cause we have this ladder up and we're like, our straws are everywhere. Raquel said she found a straw somewhere on the second floor. Like, you know, like they're kind of <laughs> everywhere. So it also becomes about being responsive to the bodies that are passing us and as we're building and there's some some there's some sort of like reconfiguration of our bodies in space in relationship to the bodies passing through the dance center as we're working on building this thing so it feels in some way impacted by who occupies that space. Yeah, I love that because I was also thinking and I was I was trying to look up just a little bit about I'm also kind of researching a little bit around architectural spatial design for for something we're doing but I was just taken with this idea of compassionate architecture or architecture as effect um or or the idea of uh, and of course related to your work with the empathic you know kind of relationship but also the what is already there and and we've talked mm-hmm. about this before when I kind of interviewed you during the COVID times yeah. the, the earlier COVID times <laughs> as we are <laughs> still in there <laughs> but there's a there's something about the the potential of the interaction that you're experiencing by making it that carries over into the design it can't help but actually influence a decision you make that ends up in the air you know and there's something quite lovely about that I think um and also the reconfiguring you said of of the plan you might have but when the plan is like you say to be improvisatory and be responding to the environment then you know it's all it's 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 quite lovely to have the people because then they're part of making it 
you know, which is kind of a lovely thing, time-based, you know, in terms of the making, as opposed to time-based experience of being with the finished installation. Yeah. So I think that's what's so great about, have, you know, creating it on site. I don't even know if you thought about creating it anywhere else and then bringing it to the site, but you probably didn't. No, we didn't even know how that would happen. No. <laughs> like, I, do, I mean, it, it doesn't seem to make sense for what you are interested in and what you wanted yeah. to do or even why you were asked, but it's, it was a, it's a possibility that you could have designed of it somewhere course. else, right? And brought it in and stuck it in the space, but it's so wonderful that you're not doing that at the same time yeah and I think it's just the nature of the materials because while they're 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 like they're e like you know the straws are paper they're easy to crush you know they're crushable and they knot and it knots easily because everything's tied together with threads so there's even this thing where it's like we you're building sometimes a structure and then you turn it and then you lose the structure like you don't know what it is anymore and then you know, if you don't hold a thread, then the whole thing comes undone. So it sort of has this, like, it's a little bit unruly in a way, which is really like in my interest also, my choreographic interests, right, is to not have an intended outcome, you know, to have a set of parameters with which you're working and values that you're working with. um, And then you let it roll out as it's rolling out, you know. And I mean, our last on Monday when we were there last, you know, we, we put these ladders up and we were like, oh my God, the ladders are where it's at, you know, ladders, because a lot ladders have this ability to sort of curve through space. Everything's hanging, you know, it has that sort of like hammock dip to it in, mm-hmm. in some ways, many parts of it. So, and they're really, so they, they have this ability to have sort of multi-dimensions, even though they're a flat thing because of how they're hung by the structure <clears throat> that we put in place yeah. to hang everything I think, or to like connect things too. Yeah, I think the ladders really help with that idea of the rhizomatic and the kind of horizontal or the kind of network or constellation thing. I think the ladders really help kind of yeah. follow, guide the eye or yeah. guide, guide the experience through to the next oh, shape. Because I think we can get yeah. caught up in, you know, our, the shapes that we prefer <laughs> or the, the yes. color we prefer in there, right? And then the ladders help remind you that it's all connected. I think uh, right, that's what, yeah, that was my experience. I know you're only kind of partway through at the moment. Oh, maybe you're almost there. We're close. I mean, we're clo- we're close. Now that, you know, that's all the discoveries that come, like, like yeah. being in any choreographic artistic practice, yeah. you think you're doing one thing, but yeah. then some gem arrives and you're like, oh my goodness, this yeah. is what this, this is, you know, this set of values and this structure and these materials gave birth to this thing that I couldn't have picked, like I couldn't have envisioned. Yeah. And then that becomes like a new material that sort of opens your mind to a whole other, a whole other thing. And um, I mean, to be honest, like Natalie has this, has the skill with material that I don't like, I'm like a crafty mom, but yeah. like, I am not a, like I don't have a, I don't have a materials based practice beyond, you know, being the mom who will sew the Halloween costume or glue gun, whatever together. Mm-hmm. But I really do rely so much on Natalie's, you know, she has a textile based practice. She has, uh, I mean, if you've seen any of her recent work, it's like a culmination of like plants and objects and textiles and life and death and decay. And, and so she has like, um, you know, she, ha- her hands are yeah. so skilled, mm-hmm. but at the same time, she would never drive it. Cause it's not her personality. Mm-hmm. Like she lets me make my sort of like wonky things and, and, <laughs> I do feel like I rely on her in many ways about how to sometimes how to like make it work (laughs) because I'm like 
I don't know how to tie that knot or I don't know, but, but at the same time, she really trusts my instincts or I feel like valued and trusted. It's not like I hand it all over to her, but I, I just do think it's important to acknowledge that she does have a materials-based practice and she does know how to work with materials with her hands in a way that I, I, I don't entirely. Yeah. I think it's also a way that she can like the, the, your instincts work together, right? So that something you might suggest is something that she might craft or know how to do in a different discipline to maybe even or just take the concept run with the concept in a slightly different way which keeps the not just the dialogue and the loop going but also the work you know generating yeah. keeps the work generating so I think that's yeah absolutely I mean and that's why I collaborate with people yeah. right? so that I get to understand other ways of of working or I it's like it tunes my eye or my ear my body slightly differently you know because somebody else has sort of different instincts or priorities but yeah I mean also again you know like we well we discovered if we talk too much we make a lot of mistakes (laughs) nice (laughs) I like that yeah (laughs) we can't talk too we can't like catch up too much (laughs) that like we're like oh wait I can't talk to you and do this thing at the same time right because that means you're ignoring the actual works voice right you're not letting it listen back you're just between the two of you kind of getting on you know yeah turning it into a craft a mum craft project you know (laughs) (laughs) instead of this but I mean it's also been nice because Laura and Chris are at the front desk and you know every now and then I'm like do you mind like standing up for a second so I can just drape this over your head you know (laughs) and they're so like lovely and engaged with the work and somehow it feels important to have the people who like really live in that building which is the staff at the dance center really lives in that building with the exception maybe of a couple companies probably BC and maybe a couple others to sort of be and you know Chris asked us so are you going to do a performance under this I'm like we've been performing for you the whole time (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) what do you think this is yeah and he's performing too he's in it absolutely (laughs) you know make him get up from his desk and stand at the side while we go up uh, up the ladder and try and tie knots yeah but yeah I think it's you know I, yeah, I just feel like it's another way to think about what I do, you know, it's like, or like the materials do a kind of thinking without me in the same way that dancers do a kind of thinking without me, yeah. you know, and then what they bring, what they present or what they share once they're sort of activated inside the work itself is things that I could never have dreamed up on my own, yeah. right? So yeah. it is about that meeting of, you know, material to minds and desires or how dancers you know I always think there's this nice thing about working on it then leaving it for a few days and then coming back to work on it again which is how I wish all of my processes were because you get that fallow time you get that space away from it and then you come back after having several days of life experience and then you see it a little bit differently and I also know that in my choreographic process I usually don't show up to one rehearsal on purpose yeah I just tell people I'm sick or something and I don't show up so that the dancers have time to figure out what they need to figure out without me present because there is a work that dancers have to do that does exclude the choreographer yeah and I think it's really important to give them that space because they're the work and so there's something about this installation hanging in the space for five days or a week before we return where it sort of lived a life in the space and not that I know what happened to it or how people interacted with it, but I think that has something to do with what happens next, you know? Yeah, I think that's really lovely because I think that's also a, there's also something about the installation itself maturing in on site in its home, you know, like it has time to settle. Yeah. 
or has mm -hmm. time to dampen the straws have time to dampen from the condensation on the windows or for the reverberations of the traffic that goes by to kind of you know unsettle what you thought the installation those kinds of things and who knows if that's actually going to happen in the time that it's up but i'm obsessed with this same kind of thing like or lightly obsessed um, to take on your word of like not over <laughs> it's not heavy yeah. for me but it's it's there all the time is this idea of the different perspectives that come in to inform work I it's it's lovely for me because when I, I've only seen the installation once and I was going to a rehearsal but I was I wanted to go early to spend a little bit of time with it in you know because I knew I was going to talk to you and I love seeing things in process I'm a process queen so so as I was looking at it it I, I didn't register that it was straw or paper I didn't register that level now when I go back I'm so excited to go back with that information yeah. yeah I'm just so excited to see what happens so already for me my relationship to it just by visiting it once and know I'm knowing I'll go back to the building I'll have a different one with it knowing that that's possible is you know it makes it very different to an exhibit that's on the wall which which we're yeah. used to seeing in the in the lobby area we're used to seeing things activate that space but it doesn't really activate in the same way because it has more of a permanence about it even though it's temporary yeah. it has more permanence so you've really captured that the movement of the bodies through that space I think is really wonderful well, yeah that's great to hear I mean and I also think because of the nature of the materials we're talking about threads so this yeah. is you know natural material and although the paper has been treated uh it's paper and there's weight it's not a ton of weight but there's enough weight that I imagine over time it's going to shift it's not going to, once it's done and it's up, it's yeah. not going to stay the same Yeah. because there's time and there's weight and there's gravity and there's, you know, things, this sort of taut and slack, which has been like this sort of thing I've been obsessed. With. I've mm -hmm. been thinking about not obsessed, but I've been thinking a lot about the role of like taut and slack in so many areas of, of life and work. And I feel like this project sort of holds that the need for like how one needs the other. Yeah. But when something slackens and what is getting tight and whether that's two straws coming into because there's a slackening, they come into a relationship where they're really pushing into each other in a way they weren't done before. And because of the nature of the straws, which are, you know, whatever, eight inches long, mm -hmm. it starts to create new geometry yeah right like new geom like even as we put something up and then we go to tighten it i'll notice that over there some straw two straws that were making a straight line now have made like a point of a triangle yeah. right so <laughs> it kind of has this like well i guess for me it's also this thing where like one thing always affects the other you know that that nothing is out of relationship you know so it it feels really important to make something that we respond to the world responds to but it's responding to itself you know yeah. and and time i think is going to shift that relationship if it, i don't even know actually how long it's going to be up but you know in a month there's going to be new geometric relationships that that occur because of pressure and this idea of taut and slack and how that's going to just shift because of gravity because of time yeah. because of error because of cold because of dampness because of heat like it doesn't get to be static and i that feels really important yeah um, I, I wonder yeah. how long it will be up because there is something about it at the moment because of the time of year or if we're in the western traditions of christmas coming you know like and the, and the kind of idea of decoration and then once that i hope it stays up and i because it would be wonderful to experience it in you know january february hopefully march april and see like you know and even if you have to go in and kind of lift it back up or something yeah. or like, you know, or tuck things behind the banister or whatever happens, but, yeah. you know, but 
Yeah. Yeah. I hope so too, because I think light has something to do with it, right? How it meets the light. And now of course we've had daylight savings, which, you know, as a parent is super annoying, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, it is not for parents that daylight savings. (laughs) Um, It is darker at four o'clock, you know? So the sort of uh, reflective nature or the shine has a different sort of impact on the outside world. You know, when we started making it, no one from outside was really noticing it. But now the other day when we were there and it was dark mm. at 4.30, nice. people were looking in the building a lot, right? A lot more. Yeah. yeah and then I wonder, you know, it's relationship to light later as we continue through, you know, once we hit the other daylight savings, which is also not fun for parents. <laughs> yeah. What is it when it's got a lot of sunlight on it? You know, like how does the light meet it? And I mean, the other nice thing, which was just, of course, but that it has these create some pretty beautiful shadows in the space also. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, 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 I didn't experience those yet. And I think it must have just been the time of day I was there to get there. But I'm, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to experiencing that. I mean, it's great because I'll be able to. <laughs> I'll be able to experience yeah. it in lots of different ways. And I encourage everybody to experience it more than once. Please come to the building more than once. Yes, and please come to the be building. With the, be with the installation more than once. I'm wondering a little bit about the building and your relationship to the building. I mean, I, like me, you know that building extremely well. In fact, you might know it better just uh, because you have so many associations with it. But I mean, it is really, as this is the 20th anniversary of the building and the launch of the podcast happened for this year. And I think there's something in talking about the importance of the building to us or maybe not its importance maybe that's too weighty but but what we how we experience the building just over its life you know like and and what you know and and what we imagine the building can either continue to be or be for us in the future I wonder if you would like to speak to that a little bit about your experience of the building or your or even just how much you are in the building or have been in the building over the past, you know, two decades. I mean, maybe that informs your design, maybe not, but you know. I think it's inevitable. I think it can't, I can't, like, I I don't think I can like extract that from what I do. I mean, I moved here in 2006 and the first time I entered the building was to make, to take a dance class when there was still kata classes. And I actually remember what I was wearing, but that's not unusual for me. Oh, go on, tell me. It wasn't great, but I remember I had these like khaki kind of, I just remember because I was staying in the West End and I get lost in the West End. I'm better now, 15 (laughs) years later. But I would get so lost at the West End because it's kind of like a magic fairyland. It like it's got like these fairy corners where all of a sudden it's like you're, there's beautiful trees and it feels magical and there's and there's flowers and then you sit down and then you stand up and you have no idea which way you were facing when you got there. So I remember being late and I can't handle being late. Like if I'm not somewhere 15 minutes before, I'm in a panic attack basically. Not quite an attack, but I get panicky. Um, but the first person I met walking into the building was Elena Garricky. And that's so funny because you know, I do many things many with things her. Many things with her, yeah. But I remember actually my first memory of the building is from when I was living in Toronto and when it opened. Oh, yeah here and I was in Toronto and I just thought those lucky ducks they get to have an entire building that's dedicated to the community and you know not everyone's running around trying to I mean we still of course try run around and try and get space it just felt like such a novel concept it felt so European to me for there to be a dance house you know what I mean like I was really like oh my god (laughs) so my first interaction with the building was really to take class and, you know, I wasn't really convinced I was still going to be dancing at that time. I had actually quit dancing um, and I was just taking class for like pleasure, not for 
professional game. <laughs> but over the years, I mean, I think within a couple of years, I started doing things like the dance labs, like my relationship with Myrna and Raquel kind of started in that. And I feel like the more, the more I've spent time in that space, the more I've had the opportunity to activate different spaces in the space. So not just thinking only about studios and the theater, but, you know, there's been projects that, you know, the balcony or the rooftop space became like a really generative rehearsal space on summer days, you know, um, which then got translated over to other things. Or, you know, without our present dance histories, like inviting the community to wear these t-shirts that had the quotes of the people who make up the community and that they were moving all through the building, right? And then there was this moment where I did a residency. It started like pretty much when Max was born. So I don't know, I couldn't, I didn't even know who I was at that moment. <laughs> but that when I made my application, I explained how as an artist in residence, I wanted to be accessible and visible to my community and that... I didn't want to just go into a studio by myself for six weeks and make something that that held no interest for me at that point. And that actually I needed a place to work. Like I needed an office, like I needed somewhere where I could be. And and so when they changed, Myrna had sort of gone into this process of changing the video library into an office space, which is where we find Linda now. And there's sort of a communal table where you can work that even since that residency ended, I've like at times been like, can I come use that office to do such and such? Like, or that the boardroom has become like Natalie and I worked a lot in the boardroom at the beginning to like build some of those things because we needed light or but just having I, I think I initially had the idea that the space could only be used one way and over time I've just noticed how much we can do other things with the space I think about Alexa Martin and Erica Mitsuhashi's tour how they did that work you know when you're walking up back stairways and in the hallways and that the main event became the non- performance spaces or the non like typical things we don't typically consider like the space where dance happens or where yeah. performance happens or that we're not or the audience isn't invited into those spaces like they're the spaces that the people who use the building on a daily basis know that's how they get in and out of the building but to actually make yeah. that part of the audience experience is like a real invitation to like into the yeah. building um, the spaces of it to hide that secretive land you know what happens behind closed yeah. doors or in hallways yeah I think that's yeah I think that's very interesting well I think you've been quite inspirational there to many people not saying it's just it's just come from you but it, it, to kind of invite people to give almost to give permission and um, because we're still in that you know zone sometimes as a, a generation yeah. of people who have generations coming up you know who are looking a little bit for permission from people yeah. who have been in the community for a while or who are older even you know there is still that happening so I think that's really opened that door I think it's also like important for me to say that you know my experience working you know I've only been at the dance center when Mirna's at the head and I've always been so struck by the fact that I'll say I have an idea yeah <laughs> And it's and and you know and I and I feel like the excitement and the bracing at the same time because I know that my ideas are always like oh god what's she gonna ask oh to no <laughs> and that it's always a yes yeah it's like okay if you come with a clear proposal for engagement in that building 
that there's a real desire by the folks who live there. And when I say that, yeah. I think about, you know, the folks who are there. Every it is day. a second home. Yeah. Absolutely. How much support and excitement there is for like whatever wonky thing that I want to bring in, bring into the space. I just need to support that and back that up a little bit, but just in how you said it, because I think what's so important for people who are listening as well is to know I've had the same experience, but with, with the dance center, I feel, you know, very supported but it's very important that you bring a clear project and a clear proposal proposal. it has to be clear because I mean there's even the support there to help you clarify it you know and help you articulate that's there but only bring them if you're clear and then there's a dialogue you can engage in otherwise it feels there's too much pressure and they're so busy all the time there's too much pressure to make something happen and if you can be a self-starter and bring your idea and and be confident enough to present your idea and have thought it through then there's so much support there but it's it's a dialogue it's a conversation and it and the artist needs to be bringing it you know needs to take ownership of the idea really and present it that way and to not be afraid of like really standing firm with their idea I mean the other thing I'd like to say about that space is I feel like you know, I've slept in that space. <laughs> I've had like uh, personal conversations in a bathroom with someone on the sixth floor and bawled my eyes out. Like it, it also, <laughs> you know, I've had like, I don't know, it sort of has this, like I do walk into the building and feel very comfortable and at home. And, and that's because for a number of reasons, but I do like to always sort of return to the quotidian, to the daily, to the, to the banal, you know, and like, it also has been a space where like, I don't know, like I come in after dental surgery and like put on a jumpsuit and some high heels and speak to some donors with like Novocaine face, you know, and like (laughs) all of those clumsy things are also things I kind of hold as part of my experience there. I think that's really important because I think, again, that's around the social idea of being present in the everyday this is the thing I miss sometimes a little bit about Europe for me is the idea of the arts being fully integrated into an everyday situation. And I think having that space and us understanding that space coming in and out of it is part of our everyday idea of what it means to be in Vancouver every day. I would love, my hope for the future is that more people can feel that that's what it is. And it's not a special place where they come to see necessarily just come to see performances, but they understand a little bit more who the people are who are in the building, who is in there, who are they? You know, like there's something about who are they as people, as human beings, you know, who come into this building. Um, And I think that's partly what you're saying, that the fact that it can be awkward, we can have the personal conversations, we can sometimes not enjoy being there. You know, all of these things happen to us because it's our everyday, right? This is like... And I think it's it's so it's such a privileged place to be able to talk about, like you said, from Toronto to have this building, you know, like to for that to be yeah. experienced. But it has to become part of that fabric of our, you know, it's it's so important. And I feel that really dropped in for me with that residency because Max was like a teeny tiny baby yeah. and he was attached to my body. Yeah. So like I'm like nursing all over that building and there's like, you know, Rianne's wellness. Yeah. who's just an angel human, you know, would take Max into the hallways when he was around like six to nine months and they'd howl into the oh, stairwell yeah. it's crazy, and they'd howl like wolves, you know, and I just thought, oh, well, like you hear like, oh, oh, I'm <laughs> resonating. And, and I just think that like that, maybe that's 
that's also part of my come like that was like part of me dropping into that building in a big way because they they held my motherhood also yes which you know not all spaces can do I've definitely had experiences that because there are some there have been you know quite a few that have been incredible but there have been some that it's like you don't get to be a mother here and I'm like oh FYI I'm always one right and there <laughs> I could change a diaper on the on the table <laughs> You know, I could, I could breastfeed like boobs out, like, you know, while I'm, while I'm talking to someone and, and they would hold my baby, Yeah, you know, I think Myrna would hold my baby, baby, Heather would hold my baby, you know, like, and so there was this thing like that. I do have this sort of heart, heart connection that sort of deepened because of that. Yeah. I think what's fascinating for me is this kind of, there's something about the care that you, you have in the for the building and with the building and the projects you bring to that building and then there's how beloved you are in the community that's kind of all supported in what you're saying like I think I think for some people it's not quite the same experience it, it's it has a little it has a, a lot more distance and they don't feel that they can be like that and there's space for that in the building as well but I think there is something about you know that it can support how you're feeling and that's negative and positive and that's what I find with the space itself it can support either direction and then it reminds you of the choice you have like as well being in there well and then yeah where's your like what's agency need yeah. inside of that space for you yeah I mean the only thing I really want that space to have is a cafe that's like my I only, know. you know me too or at least just a li- like <laughs> yeah. just a little I keep trying to work out how and I keep redesigning the lobby in my mind and redesigning the downstairs entrance to the theater space and then also just imagining and envisioning things on the roof and having done some kind of event planning thing that there for DIV before, you know, like just I, those yeah. kind of things are in informing my, you know, kind of when I dream totally. of the dance. Like, not just a cafe, but a bar. A bar. I don't even drink. Yeah. I don't even drink when I want there to be a bar. <laughs> but I should say that Natalie and I uh, years ago, and it just sort of never came to fruition just because we're talking about Natalie, is that we sort of proposed this project called the Complication Cafe. cafe. Yeah which would have been a cafe that would have been outside, which was a horror-based cafe. Yeah. And, but it was a bureaucratic cafe. So you would have to fill out, like, it would be very hard to get your coffee, like a Kafka-esque cafe, Excellent. you know, but it would be, uh, maybe one day we'll do it uh, another time. But it was, we had this sort of beet splatter idea around blood splatter, beet splatter, that you could have like smoothies and coffee, but there'd be all these forms to fill out before you could get it. And you'd wait in all these ridiculous lines to sort of fold that social choreography bit. Um, but that's an art project. It's not an actual cafe. And I would just like for us to have an actual. But it also feels like it could be a kind of seasonal thing. So if you had that space and the dance center had that space, then you could change your theme. So you could do that. So people didn't quite know when they turned up, which theme you were going to do. They didn't know if they were coming to a bureaucratic or to a like you know to be covered in fabric or to be kind of like have to wear something particular you know out in public to receive a coffee you know you could do it also yeah yeah yeah, that could that could even change like yeah that's great because I think that's the one thing people so many of your friends are in the building at the same time right and you see them when you sign in like Kate Kate Franklin always yeah signature bombs my sign in (laughs) I used to have that (laughs) happening to me (laughs) it's not happening as much now but yeah yeah for a while that that was happening to me little tiny messages like post-it notes tiny tiny writing next to your yeah signature but I think oh wouldn't it be great if we knew we were all going to be there and we could all take a 30 minute break at the same time yeah in the cafe and like 
do the unload, the off gas, also a way to have the staff in the building be more through the building, because I know they do get stuck in their offices also, right? Because they're so, so, they have such demanding jobs and they're working so hard. Yeah, and there are no studios on those floors. So it, there is, there is on that floor, on the sixth floor, yeah. there are no studios. And so there is a kind of, it's exciting when people come to the boardroom and especially, you know, if there's a few people or this activity in there, it does kind of wake up that floor but it's very easy to get caught up in the all of the work that's happening in the yeah, past. I, I, mean, happen, I, yeah. Can, I can imagine. I can, I can mean, sort of imagine, mostly imagine. Yeah. I mean, I think about my administrative workload just for my projects. Yeah. And I think, oh my God, how many, how many plates are spinning upstairs on the sixth floor? So <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. But now you have your office and um, you have your space that you can kind of you know, prioritize in there. That's the thing. Uh, those spaces yeah. give you the space for prioritizing, right? So yeah, they do, great. and that's a really astute observation. Is that yeah, there's something about being in here as I organize better than I have for sure. Yeah. Two years of being in our apartment, all of us teaching on Zoom and yeah. trying to do our projects with our child running around. Yeah, and, and scheduling around things you want to do with Max or need to do with Max. You know, like I think, and juggling yeah. your schedules as well. That's I mean. Gosh, I mean, I have to say, following you, and then if I tried to follow Joshua, I mean, it'd be a full-time job. So <laughs> I did try. I did. I did try to follow everything you were doing for this, but I had to give up because I have a life. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh yeah, gosh, you are so like, it's just so, yeah, it's so great. Yeah. Okay, so we'll bring it to a close, but I feel like we've talked a lot about the important things about the installation and things like that. And, but I, I do just want to draw on this back to this idea of, well, three things. So it's not just about it being pleasing to the eye. And so is there a way for people to kind of give you feedback on, on their experience of being there? Are you interested in people? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, originally Natalie and I wanted to have periods of time where people could build structures and yeah. we would add their structures to it, but it's just, tricky with COVID, right? It's so tricky. And and there's a, I was thinking about the DIY thing and the whole kind of idea of the, what is it called? Himeli? Is that the, the yeah, yeah, this, yeah, that's the, yeah. And the kind of craft that you were saying about the, the DIY nature of that and, and a, an element of that, but then will, I'm going to ask the question that Chris asked, will you have a performance under it? No. And not that I'm aware of. Yeah. So <laughs> although people can still, well, at the time that this goes out, it will be up. You will not be making it, but maybe they'll catch sight of you going in and like finessing something or like fixing some, maybe, but that won't be something that by the time this podcast goes out and it will have launched. And it feels kind of weird to say done, but we know what we mean after this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> then, yeah, uh, concept closure is a term I came across, concept which I kind closure, of like. Right. <laughs> yeah. Concept closure on that one. Moving on. So I will just say for the for the listeners that they will have seen or you you are programmed in in dance in Vancouver, and so that will have happened by the time this podcast goes out. But yes, it is the same. Justine Chambers is doing the piece rocking, and then there's also the speaker. A series that I just noticed you were doing and that you're involved in that and will that still be happening when this podcast goes out do you think will oh yeah I mean it's a, it's a public artwork so it'll be there for however long I mean I think uh, we started that before the pandemic yeah so, oh right um, I mean I just wrote for it I didn't no it's not your I voice is it it's um yeah you no. wrote for it but that's what's so great about this time and I think what's happening is that there's a consolidation of projects that have been happening over the past 3 years for people yeah. that so it's all coming up at the same time because there was this oh, like no. chasm of of being able to finish anything and and also the 
desire or compulsion to start things in that space. Yeah, it was really hard to like conjure, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, what I'm interested in in that is with the Speaker A series is that people, when this podcast goes out, they will be able to experience that. And I think it brings us back to yeah. this idea of the, um, just to get your wording, the social choreographies present in the everyday. I think there's, even though it's, you've written and it's voice, I think it is in a, is it East Second? Can you just let people know where that's Yeah, at? oh gosh, the address. Uh, it is at, oh, 180 East Second Avenue in the Breezeway. But very much the writing I did for it was body, like about orienting bodies. You know, I, I sort of stayed in my in my lane in that way that it was writing, but it was still all the writing that I did was really around the felt sense. Yeah, and I think I think that for the for the listeners, I think that would be a really good kind of parallel or tandem experience to this installation. If yeah, um, yeah. with Justine's work to be in to be in a public space or to be social in a public space with the mm-hmm. art and with the art making, I think is just I I'd just like to say that there's a possibility to kind of follow Justine that way. <laughs> Follow her to East Second. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that great project, like Vanessa Kwan yeah. and Peter Replacement, I mean, they're just such badasses, right? And they just yeah. they just assembled this, like, crack team, like this excellent team of people. Um, yeah. And for me, actually, when they first asked me, I was terrified of the proposal, which is why I did it. You know, when, yeah. I, when I have that, like, no, I'm not going to do it, then I'm like, there's some no's that are, like, just a hard body no, and some no's that are, like, I'm insecure now, and that's the, always the ones I go into. So. Yeah, that's good. That's, um, yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. great advice for everybody. Take that. <laughs> Take that. Take a little bit of Justine with you right there. <laughs> okay. I don't think there's a better way to end, really. Just... <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> Thank you so Thanks much. Just, Justine, it was so great to Thank talk you. with you and to see you. Oh, so good to talk to you. Yeah. Sorry, listeners, you didn't so get to see <laughs> I'll see you soon. Okay. Take good care. Bye. Thank you, Claire. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, as this will help other listeners find us and help us to grow our dance audience. We'll be back next month. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook at The Dance Centre, Twitter at Dance Centre, and Instagram at The Dance Centre BC. And if you'd like to support our work, please consider making a donation. Just go to our website at thedancecenter.ca where you'll find extensive information about our upcoming programs and events. The music for the Dance Centre podcast was composed by James B. Maxwell. Always a pleasure to connect with you through dance. Until next time.